Boy, I'll tell you, last Monday night watching a football game with millions of other North Americans, and all of a sudden, my gosh, it, uh, it went from a football game and all the relaxing stuff that you typically get ready for on a Monday night to a, a, a medical emergency that, uh, wow, caused 70,000 people in a football stadium to go absolutely quiet. A routine tackle on that last Monday night football game almost turned fatal when DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills was injured during a play. He tackled somebody, jumped up after the tackle, and then collapsed. And it took many minutes thereafter to uh, they say he died on the field. His uh, his heart stopped. They had a defibrillator. They had CPR performed, eventually taken to the hospital in an ambulance. The good news is, and we've learned this in the last 24 hours. Uh, he's he's speaking. He's had his breathing tube remu removed. Rather, he's been able to communicate with his teammates via FaceTime. I love you guys and that kind of stuff. So remarkable is the word the doctors are describing to uh, use to describe his recovery. So let's go back to what happened on Monday night as we say good morning and welcome to Grant James Dickey. Mr. Dickey is a PhD student in biomedical engineering at the University of Western Ontario. Joining us from London this morning. Grant is a BC boy, so it's the home folks calling. Grant, good morning and welcome. Yeah, good morning, Sterling. Great to hear from you. Well, it's good to have you with us. Let's talk about what uh, a lot of doctors and people, I remember hearing this as I watched the broadcast, just uh, absolutely agape at what was going on. It was such an unbelievable thing. I'm a big fan, and I was like millions of other people, all relaxed on the comfy couch, ready to watch my Buffalo Bills, well, do some damage. And then this happened, and one of the first things that came up in the live coverage was something called commotio cordis. And then a couple of days ago, I read a piece at theconversation.com entitled Damar Hamlin Injury. Was it commotio cordis? How to prevent a potentially fatal blow to the heart of young athletes, the author of which is you and a few of your colleagues at Western University. So Grant, what first of all is commotio cordis? Yeah, so commotio cordis is uh, it's, a, it's typically a rare injury that we see in athletes, but it is one of the leading causes of sudden cardiac death in young athletes. And so what really happens there is the individual, so the athlete is experiencing an impact over the heart area of their chest, mm -hmm. and the impact has to occur during a very specific time window of the heartbeat. And so that time frame is very short. It lasts for about 20 milliseconds. But if an impact occurs during that time, um, it can essentially cause the heart to stop beating, which is most likely what we've seen in the case of DeMar Hamlin. Interesting stuff. So, uh, but as I understand it, doing a little homework, and with a guy like you coming on the show, Grant, you can you can bet your bottom dollar I've been doing some homework on this, in addition to having watched the thing in the first place. But as I understand it, commotio cordis typically happens to even younger people. Mr. Hamlin is 24 and in positively peak physical condition. The average age of commotio cordis killing young athletes is young teenagers, correct? Absolutely. I'm really impressed to see you've done your homework there. Um, that's absolutely correct. So the average age that we see is around 13 years old. And of course, in the case of DeMar Hamlin as a 24-year-old NFL superstar, um, that is quite rare. But we do have cases of it happening in older individuals. It really can happen at all ages. But the most common we see is those youth athletes. And obviously, it's incredibly tragic when you have children out 
playing baseball, hockey, lacrosse, football, and these incidences occur. So, and I'm quoting now from the article that you wrote, you and your colleagues wrote at the conversation, quote, as a PhD student in biomedical engineering, I specialize in commotio cordis. My colleagues and I research how we can, can create safer chest protectors and safety regulations to prevent this tragic inf- incident, rather, from occurring in sports globally, close quote. So, uh, you said it's a very rare situation, Grant, but how frequently does it happen? So in terms of frequency, um, you can expect approximately 20, 20 cases per year. But I think the, the really big thing that we want to highlight is the actual survival rate from it. So the, the survival rate is approximately 50%, um, which is really, you know, you don't want to be flipping a coin here to decide whether you're going to live uh, or, or die on the playing field. Right. Sports, something that's supposed to be healthy, you know, exercise, get kids out playing. So that's the thing that we're really highlighting, and that's why we want to stress the importance of the use of AEDs and defibrillators on playing fields, as well as, as you mentioned, the safety with chest protectors. We really need to continue to use our research to improve upon this and prevent these cases from happening. Typically, though, uh, when a football player, and I'm thinking of those big shoulder pads they wear in football and hockey as well, there is some kind of upper chest protection that links the two uh, shoulder pads, but it's not. it doesn't drop down far enough and cover the actual heart area. Is that the concern, Grant? That's absolutely it. Um, so what we find is that a lot of these Uh, chest and shoulder pieces they have great protection in a lot of other areas but the heart can be uh, i guess somewhat missed in terms of that added protection to prevent against commotio cordis and even in the case of damar hamlin's uh the the shoulder protection that he was wearing um from all the pictures that i've seen it really seems like there's little to no protection around the heart the, the the side of the body there where the heart can be exposed um, so that is definitely a, a major piece of importance for us and a major piece of interest for us uh, over the next coming years of my PhD to try to improve upon that chest protector. Indeed. So and to, going back to the young people who uh, have about a 50% survival rate on an annual basis when these uh, incidents occur, uh, how are they, uh, with, in the case of, of DeMar Hamlin, uh, they had uh, paramedics on the field administering CPR and then the defibrillator came out. Is that what revives these younger kids when it happens to them as well? Absolutely. So the in the case of DeMar Hamlin particularly, it's amazing. He had the absolute best medical staff on site, uh, immediate CPR, AED defibrillation, which is the exact, I guess, treatment we would say for commotio cordis. But you can imagine on like a little league diamond or a lacrosse field yeah. or a recreational hockey game, uh, perhaps they don't have the exact same quality medical professionals on site. And so I think it's really important that trainers, coaches, parents, they understand the importance of AEDs and they understand the importance of understanding the signs of cardiac arrest in athletes. Interesting. Now, um, the other part of that, and I think, if anything, it's pretty much a certainty, Grant, that the awareness level of commotio cordis period, I mean, if we're talking about it on the radio here in Vancouver, about something that happened in Cincinnati, and this one traveled right around the world. I watched the BBC and other sources, and they were covering this within a matter of minutes in some cases. So it's pretty safe to assume that the awareness level has indeed been elevated. So uh, taking that uh, and making or taking advantage of that elevated awareness, how does one go about organizing safety standards? 
Yeah, and you know what? I have to thank you and everyone else who have had the pleasure of joining and discussing this because the increasing awareness uh, helps everyone out a lot. It's going to uh, assist in the research. And so I think in terms of our lab group personally, we're spending some time trying to recreate these scenarios to understand what part of the chest protector that we can add to uh, prevent these cases from happening, how we can try to uh, essentially create uh, a space for sports to be safer in terms of commotio cordis. Mm -hmm. And so right now we're working on some studies and we're going through some data and we'll continue to try to make collaborations, work with organizations as well as companies, uh, sports companies, to really help make the chest protectors safer. Izzy, would another uh, aspect of it all also somewhere down the line, Grant, be the hope that sports organization, and we're talking again, you mentioned lacrosse and Little League Baseball and, you know, kids stuff, but all of those sports organizations would come to the point where they would all have some kind of defibrillator uh, gear available for all of their events. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think there's some pretty good standards in Canada, and I believe in America as well. So I think North America has has pretty good standards for defibrillators. I think one of the major concerns actually is Europe. So from my understanding, the regulations for having AEDs and defibrillators on site um, is not the same standard in Europe as it is in North America. So that definitely is another goal of ours. Um, and just to continue creating regulations. Currently, there is some basic regulations that exist for commotio cordis for both baseball and lacrosse chest protectors. Okay. But those are non-existent for both hockey and American football. And so part of my PhD will be to further progress and hopefully establish some of those safety regulations for both of those sports. As you do your PhD homework, speaking of homework, uh, have you been able to contact or connect with people in sporting organizations? And what are they saying about this? Yes, yeah, so I'm really glad you asked that because that's what I'll be doing on Monday. Uh, I've been reaching out and having a lot of contact with media right now. And I think the next steps is for us to reach out to organizations uh, within the hockey and American football community, uh, even perhaps the, the NHL, the NFL, um, trying to progress our research, trying to establish those connections and say, hey, what can we do? How can we work together and make sports safer for all athletes involved? Indeed. Well, keep up the good work. Grant Dickey, the pride of Richmond, B.C., on the line this morning from Ontario. Thanks for joining us, Grant, and do, uh, do keep up the good work. It's a great piece of the conversation, and uh, we wish you considerable success with your Ph.D. Uh, defense and going forward. Thank you so much, Sterling. I really appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.